0: In the last edition, we traversed the country and we will do the same this time around. Letting the podcast prize wheel lead the way, choosing between the Gold Coast, where controversial sculptures have had a stay of execution. And we'll also head to New York to speak with one of the design team behind those installations. Art Battle has made its debut in Sydney, but it was first launched in Hobart. And we'll talk to both organisers in each city... And our regional rendezvous in this episode has us heading to the agricultural and mining town of Inverell. I'm Tim Stackpole, and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks again for joining us. Now, the podcast prize wheel is still without a sponsor. So please let me know if you do want to sponsor the prize wheel. I think there's still a few episodes to go before this joke gets just too tired. I've actually made a bit of an improvement to the prize wheel though I was able to get some stick-on whiteboard film from Officeworks I put that on the prize wheel and I can write the names of the stories to choose from on the wheel itself now Last episode I just stuck post-it notes into the middle of it So, the choices for this episode are The Gold Coast In Varel Alison Bellinger has a gallery there, we're going to visit that And the third one in this section is Art Battle in Hobart and Sydney. Great, that's all done. Let's give it a spin. And first up, we've landed on the Gold Coast, where there's been some political and artistic turmoil. Now, if you live there, you know exactly what this is all about. But a sculpture heralding the location of the Gold Coast, it was constructed for completion prior to the recent Commonwealth Games, it was threatened with being torn down. Now, the installations are made from street lighting, repurposed street lighting, actually, that bookends the Gold Coast on the M1. It spells out the words Gold Coast at one end and the letters GC at the other. But the $2 million-plus sculpture raised derision amongst the population when the sign wasn't legible to drivers, although it was never meant to be, to be honest. Touted as likely to become as famous as the Hollywood or the Las Vegas sign, Here's the response Channel 9 News on the Gold Coast received when interviewing locals about the installation.
1: Looks like rubbish to me.
2: I'm sure there's some boring little corner that they could put it on.
1: We should get used to council wasting our money because they do it on such a regular basis. No doubt some
0: selective negative responses there chosen for broadcast, but the future did look pretty grim for the two pieces. Given the public pressure, the Gold Coast City Council considered removing the 18-month-old sculptures at a cost of a quarter of a million dollars. But the work has received a stay of execution. This is the Gold Coast Mayor Tom Tate at a recent press conference.
1: I mean, it, it is subjective. Uh, there, some people are voicing it, they like it. So all I'm saying here is it's been budgeted for it, and the, the issue here is to focus on that this council did not go ahead and spend a quarter of a million dollars to just remove something... And, and storing it, you might as well uh, display the artwork, and uh, and you know with the media attention, well it's doing its job. The the artwork, if you look uh, objectively, uh, in in the distant further distance, it does say Gold Coast. It does welcome Gold Coasters when we come back from Brisbane. That uh, the location is your back home. Um, or I'm saying that is the uh, the artwork. Is it correct? Yes. Could we have a better location? Uh, Absolutely, we could have. So that's where the shortfall is. Art is subjective. Some people like it and some people don't. In this case, uh, the people who don't like it has made their voice known. But all I say is it is an entry statement. Could we have done it better? I believe so. And that's why I will look at the uh, acquisition art um, principle and we'll re-look at how... Uh, competition around run and will have input not just from artistic uh, people but also input from councillors and engineers so that uh, a bit of real world experience.
0: And thanks to the folks at the Gold Coast City Council for that audio. Now, this whole process has put the artist behind the sculpture through the proverbial ringer, and there were some rumours even that they themselves might have to foot the bill to have the sculptures removed. One of those involved in the design is New York based Art Atola, Ada graduated in architecture and urban design from the University of Naples. She moved to the U.S. and completed postgraduate studies at Columbia University, where today she remains adjunct assistant professor of architecture. She joins us now from the Big Apple via Skype. Arda, why do you think that the council even considered removing the sculpture?
2: Uh, Well, why? I don't know. I can only speculate, of course, because uh, it's always hard to understand the motivation. But clearly, uh, the the sculpture had created some uh, reaction Uh, and I think part of it obviously uh, was from also a strange understanding that this was some sort of sign while instead it was a commissioned as a public artwork Uh, but I think that I mean I don't know what kind of friction they received but I was really surprised with the idea of the removal because as I said also to um, people before you know there's nothing offensive about it and sculptures get removed these days especially when they are very offensive to someone to something and uh, just it you know one thing that I wanted to say for that is also that this was a, a big and challenging work including because of its location on the highway we are just two partners Giuseppe and I and we worked very much in unison on this project, you know. This was a very exciting project for us, uh, both on a new territory, and we really loved the challenge of working on this kind of sightless site because that's what it was, you know. Both in terms of footprint, being so skinny and so long, and in terms of uh, context, because obviously it's not yet in the city, and um, you know because of because of all of that we dove into it very much with a lot of enthusiasm and collective putting to our collective mind together and even in that process the collaboration and confrontation with the people they put together the briefing and the commission was very tight so um it was you know we we did all of that with with great excitement and um uh, that's how we and we ended with great excitement as we were uh, awarded the project. And it was challenging for all of us. It was challenging for us as the artists, but it was also very challenging for council and for everybody that participated and it was such a collective effort to get it done that it was very surprising to imagine that all that effort would just be removed, would just be deleted, you know, would just be annihilated.
0: And did you consider that insulting?
2: Um, well, again, I think it was insulting for everybody. I mean, it was insulting for all the work that not only us, but everybody that worked on the piece uh, put in there, as well as for the money that obviously is also the money of the community. So it's the site of the community, it's the financing, is the collective effort. And, uh, you know, art is, for art to be controversial is the daily bread, right? It's completely normal. That's how it works. Art is always controversial. Actually, I might almost say that when it's not, maybe something is missing. You know, it's good that things generate discussions. So I think that the worst thing that one can do is try to sweep things under the carpet and make them disappear. I'm always much more open and interested in the idea of using these opportunities for a healthy confrontation. So... Um, So for me, just in that sense, the idea of removal struck really the wrong chord because it didn't seem like a solution. It seemed like wanting to avoid a solution, if any.
0: Was there any time during the commissioning and construction process that raised concerns for you about the Council's attitude to the sculpture?
2: Well, you know, I thought about this question uh, and... uh, There's a part of me that feels that the right attitude right now is a positive one and uh, one that looks forward rather than looking backward. Um, So I don't really want to linger on how things went. I think that, again, as I said, the work was challenging. There were financial challenges, physical challenges, and uh, managing challenges on all of our sides, and we all put a lot of effort into making it happen, so I don't think it's very important now to worry about how things went back when they went. I mean, they went, and we got it done, which was a miracle, you know, it's always amazing when something like that happens, and when we regathered and the piece was built, everybody was very excited. So, uh, so I wanna, I wanna look forward. I think that's the most important thing.
0: And what about the message that this sends to artists worldwide? Do you think they should avoid accepting commissions from the Gold Coast City Council or from Australia in general?
2: Well, I want to hope not right now. I want to hope that uh, instead uh, this can uh, set up a better record, you know, that, uh, that confrontation, even, uh, even confrontation and criticism can exist around a piece of artwork and not for that, that piece gets demolished, but rather it stands as a place of confrontation.
0: Has this experience changed your attitude or the process that you go through before you accept any commissions from governments anywhere?
2: I think there is a little bit of a disjunct between the the way a commission is awarded and then the management of the work, uh, because obviously, for to award a commission, there is generally a jury that is put in place, and that jury is made of different kind of expertises that are more broader, of course. And uh, I think that the moment where that ends, you know, the moment where the selection ends and the hard work. Of of making a piece real and of making it fit within the budget constraints, the site constraint, the time constraint in this particular piece. Um, Of course, that's a whole other ball game and the people that were there at the beginning are not there Throughout this process. But I don't know, you know, I don't know if this is just uh, of any work that is of larger scale. I think it's something that is important to know as you enter something uh, of this uh, scope. Um, to to make sure that uh, you are aware that uh, some of those uh, expertises are not in the game again. I think my my advice would be that the jury and the advisors in a process like that, because it's not just the jury, it's also the people that put together the competition. You know, there is a brief, there is a call that sets out the ambition, that sets out the desire, that sets out the parameters. And I think that some of those people should should stay involved somehow. I think that that would mitigate uh, the kind of friction that happens when you're at the end, instead in the day-to-day, dealing just with the logistics. Because you know, we all know the logistics can be complex, but we go through them knowing that there is a higher goal at the end of it. But you have to keep that in mind. You have to keep in mind the higher goal, the higher vision that you want to accomplish. And sometimes when you're caught in the day-to-day, It's hard to think about that. And I think some of those people can help uh, in those moments.
0: And Ada, I'm guessing you must be so pleased to have learned that the sculpture is going to remain.
2: Yes, I am very, very happy. And we're coming to Australia again next month, so I'll be delighted to visit.
0: Ada, thanks so much for your time.
2: Okay. (laughs) Bye, Tim. Bye.
0: The very diplomatic and gracious artitola there. Her urban design firm in New York is called Lotek or Low Tech. They deal mainly with upcycling and recycling material, and that's why she says that their firm has a foot in both the architecture camp and also in the artistic camp. And that's their sculptures there up on the Gold Coast that have since received a reprieve from being torn down. Two stories still remain on the prize wheel for this edition of Inside the Gallery. Art Battle and Inverell. Let's give it a spin. And we've landed on Art Battle to talk about its arrival in Australia. The first Sydney competition was held recently and we'll speak to the winner very shortly. It was a great night. It's a great concept too. And I might point out that the first ever Art Battle was introduced to Australia in Hobart. It was organised by Hayley Sanderson, and she's joining us now. Thanks so much, Hayley.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Now, I'm guessing that somewhere along the line, you saw Art Battle somewhere else in the world, and that's what motivated you to bring it to Tasmania.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I first came into contact with Art Battle in Manchester in the United Kingdom. Um, I competed as an artist there this time last year. It was the 1st of February 2018. Um, and then I moved back to Australia shortly afterwards and I was just in love with the concept like um, in the community, the creative community that sort of surrounds a concept like Art Battle and I just had to bring it to Australia, really. I missed it.
0: <laughs> so how does it actually work?
3: So Art Battle, it's a live painting tournament and there are three rounds of artists. So there's round one, round two, the audience democratically picks a winner and then the artists that win move into the third round. And that's how we find an art battle champion. So we generally have about an event every month um, in the two cities that are up and running in Australia. So that's Hobart, which is where I run it, and in Sydney, which is where Bexy runs it. So, yeah.
0: Now, how well did you go in the Manchester tournament?
3: I got knocked out in the first round because I was very, very, very nervous.
0: Mm.
3: And I drank one too many gin and tonic. <laughs> 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 no, nah, but... um. I sold my piece, though.
0: Oh, yes. We should actually also mention that. Yes, because those artists who take part in it, there is a silent auction, I understand.
3: Yeah, so there is. So the artists, um, there's no fee to take part in Art Battle. We supply all of the, basically everything you need. We supply the canvas, we supply the paint, we supply the buyers, we supply the venues. All you have to bring is your paintbrushes and then they get to auction off their work and they keep a portion of the money Mm. and then a small portion of that money goes back into running more events.
0: Now, I actually mentioned to a couple of my colleagues when I went to see Art Battle in Sydney and I was talking about going along and how the artists have 20 minutes in order to complete their artwork. There are three rounds and then the audience vote on who the winner is and some of the reaction from them was, well, that sounds awful. That sounds terrible. I just wonder whether you've received any sort of negative pushback by introducing art battle in Tasmania in the first instance from the regular establishment when it comes to art, thinking this is not the way art should be constructed. This is not the way it should be put together.
3: Definitely, I think that people are very like welcome to express their opinion about it, and like I have received pushback, especially because. The Hobart art community is quite a small one. Mm. I'll just leave it at that. Mm. But um, yeah, there's definitely been pushback. But I think that like there's pushback from the people that aren't really interested in taking part. And I think what's really great about it is that there's this beautiful platform for developing artists. Doesn't matter if they're developing or not, but it's this great platform that anybody can take part in. And it's putting them at a, like at a level to show their work and to get it out there for people outside of a gallery setting. I think it's very hard to get work into galleries. In Hobart, I think it's it's great to be able to create this like creative community outside of galleries. You don't need to have money, and you don't need to have any sort of standing in the art community here to take part in Art Battle and to get your work out there and to get some support and some community around you for your art. It's it's just wonderful. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to take the the bad with the good, but here like the good of Art Battle, I think definitely outweighs the bad. Sure. So, yeah. Sure.
0: I was actually thinking about it and I was drawing a comparison with theater sports in onstage stage drama. Where there's a lot of improvisation, it is competitive theatre sports. You go through various rounds, and it could well be yeah. that art battle just develops in the same way. I mean, improvisation in theatre it's legitimate, uh, but art battle really is a new form. And I think in the long term, like you say, it will just probably develop as a different kind of niche in terms of what constitutes art. I mean, there really should be no yeah. limitation on that.
3: Exactly. I think like it definitely shouldn't, and it's it's not a like a, a purist artist. Like um, like art form, I suppose. Mm. But I think what Simon, the the founder of Art Battle, said to me is like, well, what Art Battle is trying to do is create as much excitement around artists as there is around football players yeah. and like stuff like that. Because like artists, like we just sit in our studios all the time, mm. and like you see this beautiful finished product, and you don't really get to see all the hard work that goes into it. And like our battle, taking part is a lot of fun. It's not really hard work. You just show up, you do your thing. But I think it's really nice for people to see all the work that goes into that amazing final mm. final product. Mm. And it's insane the, the sort of the sort of work we've seen come out of just 20 minutes. Yeah, Just like perfect impressionist paintings and abstract stuff. It's pretty special. So, yeah, it's definitely like changing what, that sort of art practice could be, I suppose, a lot like theatre sport. Sure,
0: sure. And I think everyone that I saw in Sydney, anyway, had a really great time. It was a good night out, and it it really did culminate in a a great celebration for the winning artists, and also many of the art pieces did sell, some of them for more than $1,000 dollars. Where which is pretty good for artists that perhaps have never had any art shown yeah, uh, and, really, exactly. and really did quite well. Now, when do you have Art Battle again in Hobart?
3: So our next Art Battle is on the 1st of March at right. the Town Hall. We've got 12 artists. We've got some of them uh, returning from previous Art Battles, but we've got a massive handful of um, brand-new Hibartian artists who have stepped up to the plate. So it should be a fantastic night. We've got bands playing. We've got some yummy beer from Shambles Brewery. So
0: mm.
3: it should be fantastic.
0: Now, if people want more information regarding this, where do they go to?
3: Um, so the best um, idea to check out things going on at Hobart would be the Instagram, which is Art Battle Hobart, and they can do the same for Sydney, being Art Battle Sydney. But to find out about Art Battles all over the world, it's just artbattle.com just a universal site. You can find out about all the art battles taking place from, like, Tokyo to Canada to all that sort of thing. Um, You can find all the information there as well about all the Australian events and any exciting things that may be popping up in other cities as well around Australia quite soon. So, this should be good.
0: Hayley, thank you very much.
3: Thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciated it.
0: It's Hayley Sanderson there, the person who actually brought Art Battle to Australia and launched it, first of all, in Hobart. There are different license holders in different territories. So in Sydney, the license is held by Bexy Neely. But first of all, we're going to hear from the winner of Art Battle Sydney. It was a big night, a full house. There's a live band and, of course, the bar is open. Griffin Picard was the first ever Sydney winner. And I asked him how thrilled he must be to be the first one.
4: It feels incredible.
0: Um, to be honest, like I,
4: like I said on the stage, I, I, the best feeling is that the room was full and that people came out to support the night, which is which is just incredible. It's, it's fantastic.
0: Now, you would have had to do at least one painting tonight. You had to do two. Did you spend the last few weeks practising and practising and practising to turn out that artwork <laughs> in 20 minutes? Um Absolutely not. I, I I'm actually not
4: traditionally a painter at all. Um, I I work much more with uh, with pen and with ink and uh, illustration kind of style and and so I thrust myself into this because it was a challenge and because it was and I felt like to make more of a challenge I just wanted to absolutely be in the deep end and and so no I didn't prepare at all.
0: Was there any time between when you actually signed up and tonight when you thought, I've got to pull out of this, I can't be painting in front of all these people <laughs> and turn out something decent in 20 minutes?
4: Um, about an hour before it started. But, but apart from that, you know, like I was already here and, and a couple of friends came along to support, so there's, there's no way I was going anywhere.
0: In that final 20 minutes, was there a point during your artwork where you thought, oh my God, I've blown this, uh, there's no one going to win this, how am I going <laughs> to fix this before the 20 minutes is up?
4: I mean, a, a little bit the the second twenty minutes went a lot slower than the first one. The first one was much more quick i didn't even get to think about it. The second one i I kind of sat back a little bit more, and I, I think maybe I, I got more into thinking about it and maybe maybe I thought that i, I had um, I had messed it up. yeah, you know it's certainly not finished. I would love to go back and do another twenty minutes or another hour and twenty minutes, you know see what happens
0: and, and where, where would you think your art would take you now? look. I mean, I
4: feel, I feel like it's it's something that I really want to get back into. It's it's something that I had to take a long hiatus from um, because of a variety of issues. One of them is addiction. It's not fun, but that's where people go occasionally, and and um, I came back from it, and I had to learn how to work without substance. And this is the start of it. You know, this is the start of me getting back into it, and and I really would love to have a you know, an exhibition, a group exhibition, a solo, whatever, whatever happens, but I, but I really want to tick something off this year,
0: um, so yeah, we'll, we'll just see what, we'll see what the months make, you know. There's certainly some value there, because that first piece that you painted tonight, I mean, it sold for like $1,500 or something in a silent auction. Uh, look, I, I would happily challenge the person that paid $1,500 for that, but you know, um, I'm glad that people
4: appreciate it, I'm glad that people like it.
0: Well, you've done a great job, Griffin, and congratulations. For the first ever Art Battle Sydney, you are the premier winner. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. There certainly was loads to celebrate, and interesting to note, there were so many people there that the organiser had to consider at the time whether to move the next Art Battle to a different location. That's Bexy Neely's responsibility, who's looking after Art Battle in Sydney, and of course, after the most recent one, I did ask her how happy she was.
5: Yes, I'm very happy, super stoked. Um, Yeah, couldn't be happier. Such high standard of art, as well as such a supportive crowd, which has been really good.
0: Now, how did you bring Art Battle to Sydney?
5: I went to an event in Canada, and I was like, this is incredible. I was like, oh, this would be great in Sydney, and then someone was like, you can take it there, and I was like, oh... I could do that and one thing led to another and yeah here we are tonight on the first night
0: <laughs> how much work did it take to to get it here
5: I think it's been about two and a half months but I've gone hard for like the last maybe like a month yeah
0: So where do you go from here? Such a tremendous success, hundreds of people here. What's next, and when's the next show?
5: The next show's on the 16th of March, but I feel like I need to relocate because of the turnout this evening. So I want to try and make it monthly, but I want to also make it um, suitable for the crowd that's going to come. But I just feel like I need a bigger place because this is... This wasn't quite big enough, I reckon. We were at capacity. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, certainly people were shoulder to shoulder taking a look at all the art. Yeah. And you can see that in the video that's on the Facebook page. But every month, I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah. And will you be able to generate the interest and the artists to come along and participate, do you think?
5: I hope so. I feel like Sydney's quite big. Um, I, I want to, like, stretch to, like, the, the wide areas of Sydney. I wanna to go to the Blue Mountains, I wanna to go to the North Shore, I wanna to go to Parramatta. I've had I've already had some I'm going to Chats with next week to suss out a space there. I wanna really take every part of Sydney. So I think with that, if I can move around a lot, that'd be it could work, for sure.
0: Well congratulations Bexy, it's been a tremendous success. You must oh. be so very proud and look forward to seeing more in the future.
5: Yes, thank you very much for you know, coming and doing a podcast on us
0: Thank you Yes, it was quite inspiring to see all the work that Bexie had done in pulling that together It was at the Factory Theatre in Marrickville Coming up, of course, so don't forget to check out the Art Battle website to take a look as to when it is coming up locally, somewhere where you are hopefully, and you did hear me mention the video on the Facebook page Yes, if you do head to the Inside the Gallery Facebook page look under videos there, you will see a little two minute video I shot actually compiling everything that happened at Art Battle that evening, it was great stuff there's no need to spin the podcast prize wheel this time because we know exactly where we're heading. There's only one more place to go. It's another Outback art gallery. Well, it's not too far out back. In this edition of the podcast, we're heading to Inverell. It's about an eight-hour drive northwest from Sydney, around five hours south from Brisbane, I think. It's known for its farming crops, its uh, wheat, barley, oats, wine grapes as well. There's also a little bit of mining. And you'll also find Alison Bellinger's art gallery there. Alison, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Kim. Now, before we get into talking about being in Inverell... Tell us who you have hanging in your art gallery at the moment.
6: So presently, I have an exhibition by an emerging artist from the South Coast called Amy Cuneo. They are lovely interiors and still life works. Um, Very, very sweet, very sweet work. And um, the catalogue is on my website. Uh, I also have works in stock by some wonderful uh, emerging Australian contemporary artists, uh, namely Kiata Mason uh, and Justine Muller. I have Vanessa Stockard's work. I have some of David Moore's landscapes. Uh, I have a little bit of Gria Sheed's work. Megan Jacobs, I, I mean, the list goes on. I have a, I have a, quite a, a, a large array of artwork available through my, my stockroom, but all is really high quality and lovely work.
0: It does kind of seem quite high end, but there's also quite a bit of diversity there. How do you pick and choose?
6: Well, how do I pick and choose? I think essentially people have said to me that my gallery has a certain flavour as, as such. I think generally most of the work would fall within that flavour, if you know what I mean. I guess also I'm very mindful of the fact that I'm in a regional area and I consider work that would work for you know a lot of country people, although having said that, my market is internationally. So I'm often sending work overseas. I have quite a big market in America and in the UK as well. So I'm not isolated to regional buyers, but I tend to find that there would be 40% of my buying demographic that are. Regionally based. Now that might not necessarily be Inverell. It may be Albury or you know Western Queensland. So, yeah. although I have to say, at the moment with the the drought and uh, conditions regionally, a lot of those people are just not in the in the market to um to support a gallery. <laughs> you know, trying trying to battle drought.
0: Yeah. So looking at Inverell, looking at the population there, it's about eleven and a half thousand people in the town proper. And about sixteen and a half thousand people across the entire shire. It's not a huge number. No. Why would you establish a gallery in Inverell?
6: Well, that's a really easy question to answer. It's because I married a farmer who lives and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lives and owns a farm around Inverell. So that that's the simple answer. And I also, I mean, I felt uh, I have young children. I am qualified as a lawyer, and I was wanting to get back into the uh, into the workplace. I just kind of looked around and thought, well, what would work and fit in my life? And then I thought at my age, I don't want it to be a slog. I want to do something that I love. So what's it going to be? And there was only one answer. So it was to open a gallery.
0: So you are talking about how you have quite a number of customers, quite a number of international customers as well, located outside of Inverell. Do you think that's the only way you could possibly survive as a gallery owner, to operate out of a regional centre, do a majority of your sales online, on the internet, also run a bricks and mortar gallery? You do have overheads, but nothing like you'd face in a capital city. Is that the key to survival?
6: Yeah, uh, look, absolutely. There is... There is no way I could survive and make this business a profitable one if I were only relying on a market locally. So definitely my broader market, which is essentially an online market, is the way that enables me to have a profitable business, running it from a regional space. And quite rightly, my overheads are are certainly not that of, a, a, say, a city gallery. The other thing I would suggest in terms of showing what I show regionally is that quite a few of the artists that I am showing, uh, their work is quite well known. And what that means is that a buyer in Sydney who may be after a painting by Vanessa Stockard may be au okay and familiar with her work anyway. And so they're quite prepared to buy it online because they know what they're getting is a quality piece of work.
0: You mentioned that your gallery does have a certain flavour. What really is it that appeals to you?
6: Well, uh, well, oh gosh, that's really tricky. Um, look, honestly, for me personally, which is perhaps slightly removed from my gallery, I want to be, and not always removed from my gallery, because I do buy work from my artists as well, but. For me personally, I, I want to be moved or touched in some way by painting. Like I I want to see something, I want to have an emotional response to that work. So for me, what is it that appeals to me? It, it's the great unknown, isn't it? Because each painting that appeals will do so for a different reason. But I guess if I bought a painting, it's because I've had a personal, you know, an emotional response to it. And I can, I can give you an example of that if you like. Um, A friend of mine had owned a gallery in Paddington a few years ago, and uh, I was in Sydney, and I noticed a particular painting there that really appealed to me. I I absolutely loved it, and some 18 months later, my grandmother had died and left me just a little pocket of money, and uh, I thought to myself, well, that can go into the farm overdraft, and I'll never, ever see it again, or... I could actually buy something that I would really love and every time I look at it, I know that it's come because of my grandmother and uh, have that sort of connection. But I contacted my friend and I said, look, it's likely that this painting is gone. Um, I don't really even remember who painted it, but is it possible that you have this painting still? And she said, look, I, I don't, but I will contact the artist and see if I can get it for you or see what's happened to it. Anyway. As it turned out, it was back in the artist studio, and my girlfriend rang me and said, "Look, I can I can get it for you. Do you want to come to Sydney and have a look at it?" And I said, "No, no, I don't need to have a look at it. Just get it for me." So she got it, uh, and this was um, probably a day, probably a day or two before the finalists of the Archibald Prize were uh, announced. And uh, as it so happens, uh, the day my friend took delivery of it, which happened to be at the Art Gallery of New South Wales uh, on the day that the Archibald winner was to be announced, she took receipt of a um, painting by Louise Heerman, uh, who then went on to win the Archibald that day. So I'd bought a Louise Hearman painting. Now, right. um, in particular, this work, it just resonated so strongly with me. And, um uh, it was a figure of the back of a girl's head and you could see just the outline of her hair and she was kind of she looked like she'd been caught in headlights or she was standing back looking at a, at a was either a fire or she'd been caught in headlights so it was sort of a um a painting that made you wonder is she being pursued by somebody or is she reflecting back on something that you know, it, it just had a, a big story to it, even though the actual painting wasn't a greatly detailed painting. But but the story was really rich in it, and so that's a, an example of what I respond to. And anyway, it's a lovely painting, and I didn't tell my I didn't tell my husband that I bought it. Obviously, he's a farmer and. Farmers are very conservative with, with spending. And,
0: and and they're very practical with their money. Very
6: practical with their money. and uh, Anyway, I kind of said to him when I realized that she'd won the Archibald, I said, I, I have a confession to make that I actually bought a painting. And I could see the steam rising up. And then I said, <laughs> but the artist has gone on to win the Archibald today. So it actually was a good investment. And then I saw the steam rising down. And now about every you know, once a month, he'll say to me, oh, when are we going to sell that lawyer's human painting? <laughs> when are we going to sell that lawyer's human
0: painting? And is the painting hanging in your house?
6: Yes, it is, yes. Um, it is hanging in, um, just in a, just a casual living space in the house, and uh, and I, I really love it. Sure. My uncle came to, to visit me recently, and he, he said to me, um, gosh, um, you know, you, your paintings, a lot of them are, are quite dark in nature, and I said, well, I don't know, it's just sort of, I don't know, just, must be side of my personality or something, for sure. yes yeah, some of them are, yeah, there's sort of things going on in them, I
4: guess.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, sometimes you do like to use a painting. I'm speaking generally here to express perhaps that small part of your psyche that does represent those tiny little bits totally. that reflect the darkness, the corner of life that we keep squirrelled away. And sometimes we use art to give them a bit of air, totally. a bit of exposure. Yes,
6: yes, totally. I think that... um you know, it's just identifying um, something and I think often it, it's hard to generalise but I think often, you know, you're seeing something that's quite deep and dark often coming out of the artist uh, in, in some works and I find that um, really moving that in some ways that artist is, is trying to portray and express something that they're feeling and you relate to that in your own way. Sure. Um, uh, which is often a way of connecting and um, I think that's such a lovely thing about. Um, you know, being involved with artists and and, uh, and selling art as well. So,
0: In a practical sense then, being in Inverell, have you or at some time did you ever find difficulty in attracting the artists you wanted to show? Mm-hmm. Because you are a small gallery, you're in a small regional town. Was there some initial prejudice?
6: Look, definitely I've had artists who felt that wasn't necessarily what they were looking for and I think they, they wondered how I could possibly sell work given my location. So I think that definitely it's been an an issue. Although what I would say is that having had some artists who are quite well known shown through the gallery, then that perhaps gives confidence to uh, new artists to show the work because they can see that I've obviously had a good relationship with some of my longest standing artists and you know those particular artists might have hung in the Archibald or one of them's won the uh, Doug Moran prize or they've hung in the Solomon prize so they're artists of um, quality and reputation and I think that 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 is often a way to attract other other artists so I also get approached by a lot of artists you know would I be prepared to show their work and and when I look at their uh, their qualifications it amazes me that they're they would even consider coming to uh, <laughs> to my gallery. So that's always really, uh, really flattering as well.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's all about, it's really about perspective, isn't it?
6: Oh, well, totally. I mean, you're kind of, you know, marketing is an interesting thing, isn't it? It's, um, it's
0: all part of business. It's all part of galleries. It's not just all about the art, unfortunately.
6: Yes, exactly.
0: You can certainly look at Google Maps and find the location of the gallery if you are travelling to or travelling through Inverell. But Alison, for now, what's your website?
6: www.akbellingergallery.com and now all of my exhibitions are catalogued on my website and then in addition to my exhibitions a lot of my stock work which is always really high quality and exhibitions I tend to market a lot on Instagram because that is a way for me to reach my followers so They know when I get a new particular work in, they know it'll be popped up on Instagram and they know what's sort of coming in.
0: And I think I saw you can get to the Instagram page from your website. I think I saw a link there.
6: Yes, you can. Or you can just look up uh, AK Bellinger Gallery and you'll, you'll find it there.
0: Alison, that all sounds terrific. The regional areas of Australia, as we've already heard in the podcast already this year, they're doing terrific things supporting artists. So well done and thanks so much for speaking with us.
6: Uh, Thank you so much, um, and thank you so much for contacting me, Tim. Lovely to chat to you.
0: Yeah, some amazing stories still to be told of smaller galleries dotted across Australia, and we will catch up with more of them on the podcast throughout the year. Now, before we go, a few items not to miss. Shades and Silhouettes, paper cut Portraits, that's Pamela C. She's presenting a series of 17 portraits with a central silhouette surrounded by effigies. It pays homage and illuminates the personal histories of Chinese Australians, the ones who lived under the White Australia policy from around 1901 through to 1973. That's on at the Museum of Chinese Australian History in Melbourne until the 22nd of March. Hey, listen up, by ceramic artist Amanda Bromfield that's exploring the role and influence of women in society while questioning their treatment and representation. You'll see that at the Lismore Regional Gallery through until the 31st of March. Borrowed Scenery, that showcases work of over 50 female artists Including Tracy Moffat, Bronwyn Oliver, Fiona Lowry's in there as well. Uh, some pieces too by Rosalie Gascoigne, I see. That's at the Campbelltown Arts Centre in Sydney. That's their first exhibition for 2019. That's running until March the 10th. In Sans Frontiers, the Melbourne based artist Damon Kowalski investigates structure and its relationship to place. It's a survey exhibition of prints, paintings, and drawings from 2008 to 2018. That's at the Warrnambool Art Gallery until May the 5th in Victoria. And as far as the eye can see, let me tell you about this a little bit. This celebrates the contemporary topography of both landscape and printmaking. From Aboriginal desert storytellers and knowledge keepers through to regional experience of world heritage sites and journeys from city to country to urban printmakers' challenges of speaking up in the face of climate change and mining, 22 artists convey their individual relationships with Australia's diverse natural environment including coastal, mountain, desert and island terrain. It's a Blue Mountain City Art Gallery touring exhibition supported by Visions of Australia, currently at Toowoomba Regional Art Gallery through until March the 24th in Queensland. And one which is certainly terrific, it's on at the National Gallery of Australia in Canberra, pre-Raphaelite masterpieces from the Tate. It's called Love and Desire. It explores themes of love, desire, romance, betrayal, faith, nature, science and religion, society, rebellion, It's great stuff from the pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood, done back in the 19th century, a beautiful collection. As I say, it's in Canberra until April 28. Make a note to check out loads of galleries' websites for details. If you are visiting from interstate, there's always something most compelling underway at galleries right around the country. Make sure you check online while travelling to uncover those few surprises away from the regular tourist haunts. That's the podcast for now, another big one. Thanks for downloading. Be sure to subscribe and share so you never miss an episode. Real soon, coming up, our first special edition of the year, it's featuring Angela Cartwright. Yes, the one who played Brigitte in the Sound of Music movie all those years ago. She's been doing art for about as long as she's been doing acting. We'll always keep updating Inside the Gallery's Facebook page with exhibitions and other stuff that we love. I'm Tim Stackpole, and remember, when you're in the gallery, please remove your backpack, Okay, Bye-bye for now.